Hi, and welcome to The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And this week we're talking about a topic that I think is incredibly important and Sarah, uh, I think, feel also feel strongly about shining a light on. We're going to be talking about the new wave of anti-trans bills uh, in multiple states across the country. Um, and we're going to talk about not only what they do uh, legally and why they may be on constitutionally dubious ground, but we're also going to talk about the larger, larger societal impact and meaning uh, that these uh, laws have um, because the impacts go far beyond any purely legal consequences. But yeah. first, Sarah, what are you eating and uh, what's eating you? Um, as a small business owner, it is my right, my constitutional right to have at least 30% of my diet uh, come from gas stations and convenience stores. So right now um, I, I made one of my favorite drinks, which is an Arnold Palmer uh, between the fountain machine and the fresh brewed tea machine. So you get a little a little lightly sweet fresh brewed green tea. So good. Uh, and we are, as usual, um, I have forced my irks upon this podcast, um, but I've had a couple of I've had a couple of TikToks go viral in the last like week, um, like like actually viral, like ones up to like six hundred thirty thousand views, and like damn, uh, altogether it's been like a million views over like a week and a half. And uh, the one thing that sucks about going viral on TikTok is it invites comment from some of the dumbest fucking people on earth, and I like. I am nervous for many reasons. I don't know. Have you? Do you know about the Florida NCLEX problem? Do you know what happened with the Florida nursing licensing? I do not. Okay. So uh, it was recently discovered that a lot, and I mean thousands, of Florida nursing students had essentially paid for a degree without any training. So like programs that had no clinicals. And clinicals are where you go and like work on patients. And so like they're... If you've ever heard of like a catastrophic nursing failure, like now they're finding out that a lot of these people might have just like bought a degree and mm. then have direct patient contacts. And if you know about the NCLEX, there are a bunch of states where normally how it, how it works when you're a doctor is every state you you board in your subspecialty, right? So NCLEX yeah. has something that's called like that's Anyway, it's a cooperative where if you get your NCLEX, if you pass in Florida, it's good for these 25 states or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of those Florida nurses are not just bound to Florida. They might have spread all over these beautiful United States. Um, so that's one of the things that's eating me. Um, and it's great because um, there's no running from this problem because nursing TikTok is like a solid 20% of American TikTok. And sometimes they're like, yo, I just stopped somebody that supposedly has two years of clinical experience from just like straight up killing somebody with insulin. You know what I mean? Jeez. So and anyway, this is that's a particular licensing field where the licensing actually makes sense. Nursing. Yes. Nursing. Direct RN registered nurse nursing. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah, like I think that uh, for certain fields, uh, the stakes are lower. They're lower. They are yeah. lower. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, this ain't this ain't yeah. one of those situations. Yep, yep. So that's been on my mind. Trying to stay healthy. Got to get back to exercising solely to avoid Florida licenses <laughs> in my local hospital. What about you, Matt? What's uh, what are you eating, and what's eating you? Uh, so I'm eating uh, uh, pretzel stuffed with peanut butter. 
So peanut uh, butter pretzel bites because uh, I'm being super healthy today. Elite <laughs> snack, though. That's an elite snack. Like, that's one of those. They used to buy those by, like, those, you know, the Sam's drum at my mm-hmm. old office. And they would just be gone in a few days. They're the perfect snack. I mean, if I had to make a tier list of snacks, like, they are they are easily S tier <laughs> they are they are top notch, right? Yeah. Um, and for those who aren't familiar with like anime tier rankings, just so you know, it goes S A B C D E F, right? <laughs> S being special, like it is beyond categorization, right? Um, that's how good they are. It's like how uh, Reese's are like an S tier Halloween candy. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, like Reese's all year round. Like the cups are A. All the special shapes, for oh, some reason, yeah. is what that bumps them up to the S tier, though. Oh, yeah. And, like, what's funny is that, you know, people, you know, th- some seasonal candies are actually not any different. They just use different colored dye. But I have to Correct. say, the different shapes of the Reese's do matter. Yes. But most importantly, regular M&M's are A tier candy to me. <laughs> but the... Uh, uh, Christmas and Easter <laughs> M&M specifically are S tier because they are polar opposites that the, uh, the Christmas M&Ms lean into the brightness, slickness, hardness of the candy <laughs> shell, right? They're extra glossy. You know, I have a theory about this, by the way. It's that the Christmas um, ones are most likely to sit out in a bowl uncovered, <laughs> so they give it extra carnauba wax. But yes, I agree with you. That's actually that's that's kind of clever. I didn't think of that, and that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Not when I'm around, though, because I fucking absolutely <laughs> go ham on uh, Christmas M and M's. But the Easter ones are the opposite. They're matte. They have mm. more. Uh, they're a little. They feel a little bit thinner. They melt more easily. Um, and uh, they're more delicate. So I have to say, I know a great deal about the different types of M&M's. Going to the M&M, uh, uh, like a factory in near Las Vegas was a big deal for me. Awesome. Uh, but yes, I was, I've been thinking deeply. That's also what's eating me. Was <laughs> we're in this sort of like interregnum of seasonal candies. We're in this <laughs> period in the, uh, uh, where there are not a lot of great seasonal candies. So I'm just like waiting. Uh, I disagree. I I personally just bought a bag of what is my like literally all time <laughs> number one a candy, which is um the Cadbury mini eggs, the little like oh, God, yes. with the extra extra thick crunchy shell. So I think mm-hmm. we're on the same wavelength vis a vis candy coated chocolate drops. You know, one hundred percent. And those things are so freaking good. <laughs> yeah, like they are like so. I've lost fifteen pounds in the last like six months. And the one thing, though, that's slowing me down is my love for seasonal candy, <laughs> right? Because I can say, like, I'm not trying to diet. I'm not trying to do any of those things. I'm doing it purely for health reasons, not for vanity and stuff like that. Um, but I have to say, I'm not going to deny myself. There also, is living and a, then there's living. I was going to say, and there's also, like, a real scarcity complex with those, like, where you will literally have to wait a year for them to come back, like... I can talk myself down from an everyday yellow package of peanut M&M's, which I personally mm-hmm. think is the superior M&M variety. Because okay. uh, it is, it gives you a simulacrum of the of the idea that you're having food, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and not just candy. I like that. Uh, I, like a, I like a two layer, I like a double texture of crunch. Anyway, um, 
but I can talk myself down from that because like I can always go get a pack of peanut M&Ms. Mm-hmm. Like with the Easter candies, with the with the Christmas candies, mm, yep. that guaranteed exactly. is not the same. 100%. <laughs> 100% and I can always justify it to myself uh yeah. for that exact reason. Right? They don't count. They're only it's fleeting. Like <laughs> It's fleeting. Enjoy these things that are ephemeral. <laughs> I also love. I also love when you buy. Um, this is, I think, the most we've actually talked about food on the Perpetual Stew. But I love <laughs> when you're in a vacation spot and you see something funny, like an eleven dollar jar of pickles. I bought these things called. Um, oh, they were called sassy beans when I was on a trip to North Carolina for my friend's wedding, and. Not only did I eat them joyously, my $12 can of pickled green beans, they're the most fucking delicious pickled green beans <sighs> I've ever eaten in my life. And now I have this like mystical thing. You know what I mean? Like I have mm-hmm. this like, I have, I have a white whale um, uh, pickled item to look for on shelves across these great United States, you know? You know, back in the day, Krispy Kremes were that for me when yes! they were still regional. Yes. Um, that, Especially uh, you drive one, drive by one, and the lights on. It's like you yeah. burn your tires out getting to that. Exactly, and like, <laughs> especially because the first one I had, they like so Krispy Kreme, you know, started more in the South, and this was back in two in ninety nine. Mm. I think it was nineteen ninety nine or the year two thousand. I was in North Carolina, and there was a Krispy Kreme like factory right there, oh, and fuck. I'd never heard of it before. <laughs> but I was told that if you went like at this at like five thirty or whatever you could then just buy them like fresh off the line. So I you went there yeah. and I got one. I, I, we, we bought like a dozen and then I ate six of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I wanted to die. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. But like, it was like a religious experience. They were so unbelievably good. I was going to say, if you can go to Krispy Kreme and your goal is not to microdose diabetes, like a diabetic coma, then like, what are we even doing? You know? Yeah. Wilfred Brimley is echoing in my head. Yeah. Diabetes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just grow a handlebar mustache spontaneously. <laughs> oh man. And the, the closest I've had with donuts, cause uh, this is a, you know, editor's note that uh, donuts are by far my favorite junk food. Beautiful. And I limit myself to eating them only on my birthday. Otherwise, I would be 7,000 pounds. I uh, I completely understand. So, uh, <laughs> uh, with the, this, this is hard to explain. So, I have a, a thing on my birthday where you get one of every type of donut. It's amazing. And at the party, people have to then claim the donuts publicly. But if more than one person tries to claim the same donut, they have to arm wrestle for it oh beautiful and if there's a significant weight difference the smaller person can use both arms uh (laughs) which is how i got to see one of my friends uh one of my mormon friends arm wrestle his wife who is literally a third of his size arm wrestle his wife and practically throw her across the room in winning grab the donut shove it in his mouth and go while his children are watching in horror i am saying if there's there are a few things that I won't get in in front of, and that is between a hippo and anything in uh, the Zambezi River, and a Mormon and their suite of choice. That's all they have, Matt. They don't have coffee. They don't have alcohol. That's the highest growing population of pill addiction because yeah. that's as close as they can get to a little little you know 
consciousness altering? Is that in a sugar high? Well, I, I feel like I did my good thing for my life is that they did eventually start drinking. First of all, <sighs> because uh, as actual believing Mormons, although they've been excommunicated, um, there is there's no there's nothing in the scripture originally that said that they couldn't drink alcohol. And archaeological evidence shows that in the earliest Mormon settlements, there were distilleries, breweries, all sorts of alcohol consumed. Yeah. So this to them, this wasn't the word of God. This was something by the contemporary people of the church. You can start to understand why they were excommunicated. And they were also taught that you couldn't drink safely, like socially, that if you drank at all, you'd become a raging alcoholic and ruin your life. Yeah. But then they started going to parties with people like me, um, where they saw people drinking socially and having fun and not destroying their lives. And they realized they had been lied to. So now I got to I got to watch them go through sort of puberty as they discovered the joys of drinking, as many of us did when we were younger, <laughs> and when it can get quite embarrassing. But you know, they went through it a little bit later. But uh, I feel like that was a good thing. I mean, we all know that uh, among some of the more question, like if we're going to start with alcohol as like some of the more questionable Mormon doctrine, like, <laughs> sure, we can throw that on the pile. I'm going to put praying the blackness away near the top as one of their more questionable uh, early tenets, which is like, <laughs> listen, it's I'm sad that God chose to make some people dark skin and bad, but if they come here and they pray hard enough, they'll be white like us. Like, ooh, I have so many questions. I'm going to spoiler pass alert. One, actually, spoiler alert. It doesn't work. Mm, nope. Nope. No. Nope. Nope. Uh, of the many things to try to pray away, that is one that will. I think we can. We have pretty good evidence that it wouldn't work. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I would I would try to make that claim for something that's a little bit less easier to falsify, but, you know. I mean, I don't know. I guess I was going to make right. a joke about Sammy Sosa bleaching his face, but I don't I don't I feel that's a tightrope. I don't feel like I can. Walk I feel like God had nothing to do with that. Yeah, I, I know that that I was, was a situation say. that the absolute opposite was involved. That was that was the the basis of the joke. I just wasn't sure how to oh. how to deliver that baby. So <laughs> perfect. No, that's definitely a jokes that we cannot tell uh, segment for this show. Yeah. Uh, so let's pivot to uh, speaking of things that some people want to pray away, but you can't. Uh, <sighs> let's talk about the uh, new wave of anti-trans bills uh, that have been passing in multiple states. So. Sarah, can you uh, catch us up on what states have been passing uh, anti-trans laws and what those laws contain? Fucking, which which states haven't been passing anti-trans laws? Like, if it's a red state, they've probably tried to pass some kind of anti-trans law. So in Oklahoma, there is a bill that will ban insurance covering um, transition care or trans-affirming care for adults and children. Um in Indiana, right here, we went down to protest it. HB um, 1608 um, started off as a don't say gay bill and became a um, forced disclosure bill, which means that regardless of how safe or unsafe a child's house might be, if they tell their teacher or, you know, express something at school that's different from the gender that they're assigned at birth, that their parents are for or their teachers are forced to disclose that to their parents. Um, <clears throat> and uh the one that we're going to talk about is um, there is an Arkansas bill um, that would make it illegal 
it would make it a felony, I think a sex crime for a trans person to be in a bathroom with any child. So, and it doesn't make any specifications for like, if that child belongs to the parent, like, you know, does that mean, does that criminalize a cisgender parent taking their child into the opposite sex bathroom because there's no one to take them into the correct sex, you know what I mean? Into their Mm -hmm. assigned sex bathroom, which happens all the fucking time because places still don't have fucking family bathrooms. Um, uh, the whole point of, of all these two. And like, I think we need to talk about this is like, nobody's concerned about anyone's health or mental health. Like Mm -hmm. that's often the thing that gets, um, taken up as the reasoning in Indiana, in Indiana, what was so crazy about HB 1608 is, um, if a parent wrote in and said, my child is transitioning, I support their transition. I want you to use uh, their, I want you to use these pronouns and this name for them. Like I sign off on this. I require it. I request it, whatever. A transphobic teacher can still just decide to dead name them and use the wrong uh, pronouns and just make them feel like shit. There's a lawsuit going on by about a teacher in Brownsburg here in Indiana because this fucking asshole who was largely liked by his students, like queer students included, like got on this fucking high horse that no one requested or asked for about like, he didn't want to use kids, kids, correct pronouns and names. So he would just start calling people by their last names. Mm. And they were like, just call us by our names. And now there's a lawsuit about it. But uh, all of this is about public erasure of transgender people. And I just like, want to just reiterate that as much as possible, which is like, this is the GOP's attempt at denying the right for people to just exist in their own identities in public. The fucking small government dipshits are like, listen, I know this has literally nothing to do with me, but I'm just going to jump right in here and insert myself in this real quick. I think that's important. And uh, just so you know, just so the audience knows we're talking about SB 270 in Arkansas. Um, It is, uh, uh, it's it's editing it's basically making adjustments to the uh penal code in arkansas and um so it's passed out of committee so it's going to actually get voted on um so it amends the portion with uh concerning sexual indecency with a child so it basically adds a subdivision for being 18 years or older so an illegal adult for entering into and remaining in a public changing facility while knowing a minor of the, quote, opposite sex, end quote, is present. Know how vague that is because it doesn't, opposite sex is not a particularly useful uh, category here. Once again, we're, yeah. we're into intentionally vague language for nefarious purposes, but yeah. So there are some exceptions. So the exceptions, if the minor is under seven years old and the person is the minor's parent, guardian, family member, or caretaker for maintenance or inspection purposes or for medical assistance. Um, so there are two sections that would be a, that would be classy misdemeanors. The third would be a felony. Um, but I want to note here that, uh, the problem is that it's pretty extreme um, because – how to put it? Because of the vagueness of that language, something like opposite sex, and the fact that you need to do no other crime 
It's yeah. literally just criminalizing your presence. And I think that, that that's the point you make. It has to be about purely policing and trying to erase people from from uh, uh, trans people from the pu- from public spaces because it criminalizes their mere existence. That's right. In the bathroom, no, they're doing nothing else other than using the bathroom. Um, like it's not. There's no like. This is again a situation where you encounter this over and over and over again with these like pointlessly ideologically driven laws, which is the laws against the criminalities that you are assuming here already exist it is already illegal to expose yourself to a minor in a public place like it is already illegal to sexually assault people like how about you enforce those laws like what you know like there's like this tacit admission here that like we need to come up with this first of all for our own biases but like if sex crimes laws for example were actually broadly enforced like it would be so obvious that this law is not necessary because, you know, like we don't I'm not even I think it's obviously and unequivocally uh, transphobic to say that, like, being transgender is, you know, means that you right. It's no different than, like, you know, uh, being gay and being a um, a pedophile or like the same thing or whatever. But like, mm-hmm. like even OK, I'm not even addressing that. I am saying that, like, we there would be no need for this if we just prosecuted rapists under the fucking laws that we already motherfucking have, you know? I I think that's a great point because they're not talking here about improving. I think because we know that the clearance rates for things like sexual assault and rape are insanely low. Yeah. Um, That just in the time. uh, So uh, one of my supervisors when I was in law school, former judge, she left the job that uh, she had been working at when I worked with her. She gotten a federal grant to help process all of the thousands and thousands of unprocessed rape kits in, in the state of Missouri. Yep. And most of them were just sitting, were just sitting in evidence in local precincts, and they just yep. never bothered to get around to process them. Yeah. Well, they, they cost money. And why would you spend money in that when you can get an MRAP and, you know, send a SWAT team to a low-level drug dealer's house, you know? Yeah. And so there are actual sex crimes out there that are unsolved and not even being investigated. doesn't deal with any of those. Instead, it literally says, this is the member, this is modifying the part for sexual indecency with a child, with a minor, right? Saying that being trans in a restroom with a child is a sex crime, is sexual indecency. Yep. And note how, I mean, I'm just going to say, I thought, I think the analogy that you brought up of equating gayness with or queerness with uh pedophilia is yeah. the same sort of maneuver right they are yeah. literally saying that all trans people are sexually indecent yeah by their mere existence in these spaces not by yeah. anything they do right but simply for existing for existing number one and i think like there is also this implied like under the subcategory of like we think anyone who's queer is a sex criminal is that like all thoughts, I guess, that a queer person has towards a child are indecent thoughts, and thus we must punish their thought crimes, which, like, we already had this discussion with, you know, like, you, we can't punish thought crimes. You know, I'm, I just don't, like, I, there's no, there's always going to be, and I don't necessarily think we should tailor the conversation around, like, the, uh, but what about, like, but I always think that, like, what the, we're talking about this from the angle of, like, uh, but what about, guy, and it's like, no, there there isn't even, like, a, 
you know, we already have, we already have laws on the books for all mm-hmm. the crimes that you are assuming are going to have happen here. Um, this crime literally is criminalizing the existence of two people in a public space. That's fucking crazy. That also means, um, here in Indianapolis, um, by the way, this is just a little fun plug for a cool place run by cool people, but Can Can Cinema is an independent movie theater here um, that has a fucking sweet brasserie, and they have a genderless bathroom. It's a public bathroom. It's a shared room. There's sinks on both sides. It's not divided by sex. So sometimes you come out of the bathroom, and there's a dude coming out of the you know, stall across from you, and you're like, what's up? Because all the doors close. It's a bathroom. Like... <laughs> I don't, I just like, there has never been a louder admission that this is coming from a GOP that fucking loves cruising. Do you know what mm. I'm saying? Like that this is from a group of Republican men who are like, well, I know what I do go to the bathroom for and mm. it's to get anonymously blown. So mm. obviously that's what everybody else is in there for. I, I was going to make that a joke, but like, it's not a joke. It's just history. It is a little bit of telling on yourself, right? Uh-huh. It's like the men who say that, like, the, it's like the Mike Pence rule, right? You can't be alone with any woman who's not your wife. It's like, well, maybe you can't do that. But, like, other people are perfectly fine interacting with uh, with uh, uh, members of the uh, of the opposite sex who whom they're not married to. Can I just say something? Like, I don't like Mike Pence, the whole, like, Mike Pence is gay thing as a joke. I think Mike Pence is gay and it's deadly fucking serious. Like... Mm-hmm. Like the, this idea when it's something that I notice over and over and over again, the bigger tell for me that someone is in the closet is not that they're homophobic. It's that they're an extreme and almost performative misogynist. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Mike Pence talks about women, like they're an undetonated charge in the middle of a battlefield, like is obviously like gross, but more than anything, it's like the kind of ludicrous sexism that anytime I meet a guy who's like going out of his way to talk about like how women are like objects or bombs or furniture or mattresses or chewed gum or whatever, I'm just like, just like, but I honestly think that's better cover than anything. Like that's a better cover than being openly homophobic. Like it just, I hate these dudes so, 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 so much. And with a few clicks of their own courage, like if they had just had a little bit of courage and a little bit of self-acceptance, their whole trajectory of their lives could have been totally different and a thousand percent less harmful. And yet here we are, you know, this also comes out with, I think like the, for example, the, the, um, uh, the politicians who are so like anti-drag show and then the anti-drag and then it turns out that they performed in drag, right? Ding, ding. Um, that I can give you, you know, from my own life that, uh, I have never felt the need to be openly misogynistic or like a uh, homophobic because I think I've always just been comfortable in both my masculinity and in my sexuality. Yeah. And just in dude spaces, the guys who are the most openly hateful in yeah. that way are always the ones that you were, you think about, you're just like, Hmm, yeah. it definitely seems like overcompensation. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you don't want for them is not to punish them. You just want them to learn to love themselves. Yes. That's exactly you know, it. 
you know, you just just like, oh, dude, like, it's okay. Like, you don't need to tell me about your model girlfriend from Canada. Just be like, <laughs> like you, you, you don't need. Oh my god, I was in. So I was when I was in one. So I was abroad with yeah. with a bunch of other people, and you know, often this is a, a time for people uh, to try to like reinvent themselves or whatever. And openly closeted guy, like very clear that he was closeted to everyone other than him, going on and on about his his model girlfriend, right? Oh god, um, right. And the general feeling was just pity. Yeah. Because he was not in a position to try to, like, you know, pass bills. He wasn't, you know, you yeah. couldn't pass legislation or, like, harm anyone. He was just harming himself. Correct. Um, and the difference becomes, I think, where we, we don't need to have pity or sympathy for these people is when they try to, like, weaponize the state or institutions against other people, right? Yep. That, like, my, I know that, you know, I don't, like, my empathy and my sympathy run for them until, like, they start trying to pass bills like this. Correct. I'm sorry, like, at that point, I no longer, uh, my patience has has run out. Um, Because it's not, it's not their problem anymore. I think that, I think that anytime... Like inauthenticity, and we will. This is this is kind of the larger sort of theme of our episode here. But like inauthenticity, depending on what the stakes of being authentic are to you, is such a deadly and poisonous force. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And well, of course, like we're not talking about like inauthenticity in like a life coach kind of way here. This is a much more <laughs> serious version of that. But, but. I, I, it's hard not to wonder, you know, like what America might look like if we weren't all, or if a solid third of us weren't operating off of like a three palimpsests removed from like this person that we really want to be, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this bill also has some weird things to it. I just want to bring up too, that like it allows... Uh, law enforcement to draw blood from a defendant to test their chromosomes. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. So there, as any, you know, anybody can point out those chromosomes are not always particularly useful, nor are they in in diagnosing sex, nor are they, it is cut and dried that like what you learned in your basic high school biology class about X and Y chromosomes isn't exactly right. That's yeah, like uh, it's simplified. It's the high school version, you might yeah, say. It's the high school version. There's a lot more gray area than you can imagine. And also there are people who are born with sexual characteristics that are not clear cut. Yes. And back in the day, doctors would just make a determination. Yes. Right? They just do it one way or the other. So it's with, entirely with often, I just want to say, like, they they have interviewed a lot of these kids that were assigned to sex and they have like horrific and untraceable dysphoria. Like they have this insane level of like deep dysphoric discomfort with themselves and their identity, their whole lives can't figure it out. Don't know what the fuck's going on until they have a medical emergency from going through puberty that whoever assigned them a sex just couldn't have made, you know, couldn't have anticipated. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a big penis bias uh, there as yeah. well that uh, that children who are born with anything resembling a penis tend to be classified as male. 
Yes. Uh, even if it would make sense in a more objective way to not categorize them that way. So there are people who might have lived their entire lives presenting as one gender or another and who would genetically be in a gray area or even look like the opposite, even because of the sort of the messiness of human biology. That's correct. Um, which is another reason why the law should never get involved in these sorts of things. Yes. But like, also think about people who are just simply non-binary. Yeah. So let's say you are not trans. You're simply a non-binary person and you go to use, you're trying to obey the law, right? You're like, well, I, I, I am, uh, you know, you know, you know, you know definitively that you are biologically male. So you're just like, you know what, despite the fact that I present as female, or more, or present more along the lines of female or as non-binary. I'm going to use the, the 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 men's room. The problem is, is that no matter what bathroom you choose in that situation, you're running the risk of getting arrested. That's correct. And then, um, yeah. And then, you know, like again, because we have other laws about this. Like, fine, you go out, you take a piss against the side of the building. Well, mm-hmm. like now you're a trans person who has publicly exposed <laughs> themselves, quote unquote. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like. Well, I was going to commit a crime if I pissed in the bathroom, and I guess I'm going to commit a crime if I piss outside. So, like, what fucking choice do I have? And, like, there isn't – the choice is not, per the legislature, where to pee. It's to exist or not. And it's like, yeah. just go put on boys' clothes because you have a penis. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that is – and that's the the heart of this, right? Is It's another way to try to make life intolerable. Yeah. To live in a way that they don't want you to live. Right. And so anybody who tries to make a, oh, this is protecting the children. This isn't prote-, like they try to make those sorts of arguments. It's bullshit. Like it, yeah. it's straight up bullshit. This is not protecting a single child. There's not a single child who be protected by this law. Guess what? Because trans people are not, there's not an epidemic of trans people assaulting children in, in, in restrooms. There just isn't. And the legislature didn't cite any evidence to that effect. Do you know what would actually protect children is a uh, compulsory reporting by churches yeah. of staff sexual assault of children. Yeah. So that like it, a few years ago, after this is like a decade after the first Catholic church scandal had broken, where it was like, Oh yeah, we absolutely knew this person was a child molester and we just like shunted them around so they could maximally abuse as many children as humanly possible. We got you. Yeah. This was the um, boy Scouts of America who did exactly the same thing. They did exactly the same thing. They said that they did not keep records of uh, people who offended against children. Not only did they keep records they knew exactly when somebody had was a, who had offended moved and then became a leader at a different scout or, you know, I don't know what they're fucking called. Um, troop, troop, I guess. Troop. Yeah. But like every single time, you know, we have these protect kids, protect kids. I mean, the clip is going viral about Jon Stewart yelling at some fucking Yahoo from some fucking Yahoo place. But and that's fine and good and it feels good. It feels cathartic. But like. <laughs> John Stewart doesn't pass laws like John yeah. Stewart doesn't pass fucking shit. And I love John Stewart and would smooch his little feats. And I just <sighs> pressing the share button on something that makes you feel things doesn't do fuck all, you know? Yeah. So you should run for your local state house because this is <laughs> yeah. where these laws are. Uh, these laws are getting passed. Uh, 
and, and this I, is not yeah sorry no i was gonna say as somebody who just protested at the state house and listened to testimony from these fucking assholes we looked up every single person who was an author a sponsor of the bill or spoke to uh like spoke on the floor about the bill we looked them up one person was literally fucking unopposed she ran unfucking opposed on the southeast side of indianapolis which has enough democrats in it to get somebody in there who's a democrat she ran unopposed that is unacceptable it is mm. unacceptable why didn't anybody run against them? I don't know. I guess because like I, when I say this, I don't think it's great to make fun of people's appearances, but this tanning bed, crinkly leather bag of a horse face, small town, fucking jug blowing IHOP monkey to borrow a phrase from Jack Donahue ran unopposed because she looks like everybody from the town. She talks like everybody from that, from the small, it, it, it her district is a little corner up here is Indianapolis, like Beach Grove, mm-hmm. and the rest is country. And she got all those country votes. And we need somebody who is also like a little sun-worn white person who just says, like, we need somebody in the office to in, in office to make policies that actually help people. We had Matthew Goodman, we had a debate <laughs> in the Indiana House about whether or not we needed to make the pork tenderloin, Indiana's state sandwich. Now that bill failed. Thank fuck. But it, someone wrote it. Someone wrote a bill recognizing <laughs> the pork tenderloin and our taxes paid for that. Yeah. I want to note that the pork tenderloin is a classic Hoosier dish. Um, yeah, but it's not like, it's not that it's a big old schnitzel on a bun. That's a thing it, uh, for a regional cuisine. It's only okay. It's a plate size, so everyone knows it's a plate size, pounded out piece of pork, super thin, it's fried. You're supposed to either fold it up or some, or the point is, it's meant to look silly. It's carnival mm-hmm. food that yeah. is our national, that is our state dish. And the bun is a normal size bun, so it looks like a silly hat sitting on top. It looks yeah, it's like, like a silly it, party hat. Yeah, it's the Wiener, it's the schnitzel version of those sausages that they have in Germany that stick out ridiculously on both sides of the tiny bun. Correct. It's yeah. it's literally Instagram food before the era of Instagram. Yeah. And again, it's fine. It's, it's a schnitzel fine. on a bun. That's it. You gotta be honest, most of the time what makes it is either the uh is either the uh type of slaw That's right. on top. Uh, or some combination of that and uh, a really good sharp um, mustard. And most time, most of the time, it is served with shredders and cardboard tomato and mayo on the table in front of you. Like yeah. that's it. It's not why or what? What are we doing? It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Which yeah. is also offensive because Indiana has two of the largest. Um, we have both the largest. Um, Macedonian community outside of Macedonia. They make a delicious spicy tomatoey stew. That could be our national dish. We also have um, the largest Burmese population outside of Burma. And it's Burmese food. It's fucking Dude, great. Burmese food is so good. Like we how that would make a much better story about Indiana than a fucking piece of fried ass schnitzel with a silly hat is all I'm saying. And you you would also, while you were telling and hearing that story, you'd enjoy better food. Yes, correct. Exactly. That, that's actually properly seasoned. Yeah. <laughs> is um, seasoned. Is seasoned, yeah. period. Is seasoned at all beyond getting the shit fried out of it. Um, yeah. So for the, uh, le- the law people out there, you're probably thinking about these bills, right? And thinking these are 
unconstitutional. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm going to be straight up that like, as written, they are dead ass unconstitutional. Like this isn't particularly close. And it was funny when I was first reading them, I had like, you know, very equal protection, (laughs) like equal protection alarm bells going off because uh, something that Justice Gorsuch had argued in in previous, uh, in, in similar cases is that, these that um, discriminating against people based on their sexual orientation is de facto um, sex discrimination, Correct. right? So, like, if you can take it in the context of gay marriage, like in a man and a woman getting married, and a man and a man getting married, if the second is illegal and the first is legal, the only difference is the sex of the second person, right? Yep. And so, if the man marrying a man can't do it, the only distinguishing feature between him and a woman marrying a man is their sex. So it's de facto sex discrimination. So you can see the very good logic here. So this is, think about that in this context here with the bathroom bill. They're simply saying, if you are trans, meaning going on biological sex, right? Note the words opposite sex. So the words opposite sex. So it hinges off your sex, right? Yep. De facto sex discrimination, just straight up in the logic of the court. And this trips over two parts of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. The first is Title VII, which prohibits employment discrimination based on race, color, religion, and national origin. And for those of you thinking, wait, but this is a bathroom bill. Guess where there are a lot of public bathrooms? Guess yeah. where people use the bathroom? It has to deal with employment issues. So and this doesn't make a carve out for uh, employer bathrooms, none of that stuff. So this would be a de facto uh, violation of that if it were enforced statewide because it would have to impact um, uh, people who are working. Um, and the second is Title IX. Again, uh, focus on the discrimination on the basis of sex in educational programs and activities that receive or benefit from federal financial assistance. So Sarah, can you name some educational programs or activities uh, that receive or benefit from federal financial assistance? Uh, that would be all public schools and universities. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, they're trying to say protect the kids, right? Well, this is yep. obviously going to hit public schools. Uh, yeah. So you have a clear Title VII uh, for, for workplaces and a clear Title IX violations here. Whether or not uh, the Supreme Court will uphold these but uh, is, is an open question. But I have to say that from my point of view, again, this is just my opinion, Although I've read uh, the ACLU and other groups have filed briefs um, making these sorts of arguments, uh, these are pretty straight up and down. These are not. I don't. This is this is not you know the radical progressive in me coming out. You know, <laughs> uh, this is me saying no. Like if you if you take a very middle of the road reading of the of the con law here, right. This, I'm not trying to, you know, create favor for trans people, but just straight up, like, this is, a, these are clear violations based on existing precedent. Now, let me ask you, because um, since the Supreme Court has lost its goddamn mind, yeah. um, what do you think its chances are if it makes it all the way up to the Supreme Court? So I actually think that since Justice Gorsuch has fallen on the right side of this before and has written a majority opinion, I think that Roberts and Gorsuch would side with the liberals here. I actually think that even Justice Kavanaugh theoretically could. I don't think Alito 
um, yeah, Thomas yeah. or uh, or Tony Barrett. But I do, I, I think this would be either five to four or six to three uh, striking down these bills because they're so blatant. I, I just yeah. want to be straight up. They're so blatant and they're so overreaching. Um, and remember that the in the Arkansas bill, it's only exceptions only for minors, uh, for children seven and under. Which right? doesn't take into account disabled kids, which doesn't yeah. take into account like every, you know, once again, ideologically driven legislature or legislation falls apart the minute it has the lightest contact with complications in the real world, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm just going to say like, and also it's not always easy to know who's the caretaker of a child. Correct. And I'm going to like, I'm going to use my example. I'm an Asian kid. My parents were white. There you right? go. Right. So when I was a child, what are we going to be interrogated every time we're trying to use the bathroom about there you go. Uh, our whether or not we were legally adopted, whether or not yeah. this is actually my caretaker or not? Are you uh, are you going to ask foster parents, adopted yeah. par- adoptive parents, to just carry around essentially? Let me see your documents. Like let me see your papers. You know, yeah, papers, pa- papers, please. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so, if we think about other laws that. So the phrase that the Arkansas bills is they tried to make reasonable accommodations, yeah. right? And this is language that's actually cribbed from the American with Disabilities Act. Cool. That uh, reasonable accommodations are things that like an employer or uh, or or or, uh, uh, or housing, like your landlord, they have to make reasonable accommodations for your disability. Yeah. Right. And they have an affirmative responsibility to do that. Um, the whole point of this is to try to avoid making the public sphere for disabled people basically walking into a minefield. Yes. So to give you an example, if you are a public theater, right, you have to have handicap entrances, exits, handicap seating, that sort of thing. You're required by the ADA to do so. Actually, if you are in a movie theater and you're sitting in the handicap seats and you are not yourself handicapped, you are legally required by the law to relinquish your seat. Yes. Uh, I want to note this. So this was actually funny. I was at a uh, uh, showing of the last Harry Potter movie. It showed up late with uh, one of my uh, exes who is disabled. And there were people sitting in the handicap seats. And there were two couples, one nerdy couple, one, one like jockey couple. And the nerdy couple signals us like, hey, do you want our seats? And oh. we said, and the, and the jockey couple didn't avoid eye contact. Of course. Right? And we, we, the nerdy couple were like, you know what? You keep your seats. We're taking it from them. <laughs> and they flipped out. They're like, we've been, you know, we were online for, we got here two hours early. And we're just like, and you took the only seats yeah. that you could be legally removed from. And uh, yeah. And like, and then you tried to act like we didn't exist. So we yeah. are taking your seats. Thank you Beautiful. very much. Yeah. Beautiful. They're like, oh, I want to talk to the manager. I'm like, Let's get the manager. And the manager is like, kids, get up. <laughs> you can talk to the motherfucking Supreme Court about it because they have something to say. But yeah, so let's think about that. You know, trying to avoid the public sphere from becoming a minefield by you, by this reasonable accommodation language. Porting it into this context, note that they're using it, they're using this law to try to make the public yes. space a minefield for trans people. So even within the sort of like, and this is something, again, huge law nerd thing, but think about like the sort of, you know, the legal uh, genealogy of the language here. It's flipping it on its head. 
And I yes. think any reasonable jurist, any ju- constitutional uh, lawyer, any constitutional scholar, any judge who deals with these issues worth his salt, his or her salt, would immediately recognize how fucked up this is. Yeah. Um, and say, but you're do- using this language, you're trying to crib this sort of language and this framework to do the exact opposite. <laughs> um it's- so gross you know what i mean like it's so spiritually gross especially given that like we did the ada which was great except that there's so many fucking carve outs for it that it mostly didn't do its job like so the ada is i have a lot of mixed feelings about it Um, i i I should say it didn't it's not that it didn't do its job it's that like now, you know, like, for example, there are so many workarounds for historic buildings that, like, mm. if you are a person who is disabled, it's like, well, that's a historic building. Chances are I won't be able to get in there. You know what I mean? <sighs> yes. And that is an issue. I was trying to go see, uh, we were trying to go see um, Waiting for Godot with Ian McKellen and yeah. um, Patrick Stewart. Ugh. Except that the theater that they were in, historic building, had no handicap seating. Cool. And so we couldn't see it. Um it was an interesting situation. I haven't, we did contact them about it. We got a very nice communication uh, from them about that and we figured it out. But I want to note that for, that this is often an issue in these sorts yes. of situations. But a lot of other countries, even Western European countries, don't have the equivalent of the ADA and are significantly if you, worse. If you've ever been to Europe, um, like even the last time that I was in France, I think was like a little over a decade ago. We were walking around and my, my friend Lily has um, um, cerebral palsy. And so she doesn't, she, she still walks. She doesn't need like a, a mobility aid or anything, but like, there were a lot of things where we were like, why isn't there a ramp here? Like, why isn't there, mm-hmm. isn't there a ramp at this new building, this newly built building? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then when I was asking my friend who is French about it, she's like, still a lot of our handicapped and disabled people just get institutionalized. Like yeah. you're like shipped off and because ugh, it's so gross. Yeah. Like I know that people give Americans a bunch of shit about like, we don't have a architectural eye and I'm like, listen, but like more people can come to our stuff. Like more of our citizens can use things like you guys will, would rather ship disabled people off to like live at a dorm together rather than put a fucking ramp up in yeah. like, you know, a palace of some kind, you know what I'm saying? 100%. And there was actually a treaty that the Obama administration um, negotiated that would have uh, basically would have extended similar ADA protections across the EU. Cool. And the Republican Senate voted it down. Of course. And known progressive hyper-liberal Bob Dole was (laughs) present in the chamber of the Senate advocating and imploring his Republican colleagues to vote for the bill. And they all sang his praises and then walked by him to vote no. Yep. And uh, I remember uh, Rick Santorum, who was in the Senate at the time for, thanks, Pennsylvania, um, made the bizarre argument that voting yes on the bill, on the treaty, would infringe on America's sovereignty. When in fact, it would have done the exact opposite. Note that he was arguing that it would have extended European law to the United States, but in fact, what it was doing was essentially expanding American disability law to Europe. Jesus fucking uh, Christ. And this had material impacts for anybody you know who's traveled uh, overseas in Europe, who's disabled. It's had clear material impacts on their lives. 
um, that it was cynically shot down. And this was something that cost would have cost the United States zero. Zilch, nada, nothing. So, I mean, obviously the hypocrisy reaches no, reaches no bounds, but like when I think about things needed to protect children, right, yeah. which is always the argument for these sorts of bills, like, you know, kids need to protect children. We need things like better funding for schools, like, you oh know, like, mass transit, housing, you know, child health care. Those are the things kids need. Higher kids, wages. Yeah, like, higher wages for their parents so they can actually be home. In uh, uh, I just went to the art museum with my friend Weston, and we were walking around because it was the free it was the free art museum day, first Thursday of every month, right? Like every city needs that for all their museums. Or every city, again, we're talking about improving the lives of children. That means there's like free museum days, so that like poor kids get to go to the museum too. And we were walking around, and I was just talking about like. Uh, in Sweden, um, we have two friends that are like really close to us that are Swedish. And, mm-hmm. um, one of them just had a kid and we found out that like, whenever your kid is like old enough to get like lessons or join a soccer team or, you know, like learn to play an instrument, you can sign up and the Swedish government will just like send you a little stipend so you can, you know, rent a trumpet or whatever it is. And it doesn't cost you any extra money so that people's access so that kids access to enrichment is equalized. Yeah. And it's like... Um, and then we were started joking about Robin, you know, the pop star Robin was on, um, MTV's Cribs. Have, did you ever Mm -hmm. see that one? No, I haven't. One of the single most hilarious episodes of Cribs because she has a nice apartment. It's nice, but like, it's not ostentatious. There's no gold toilet seat. You know, there's no 17 foot ceilings with a candy bar and like an iPhone bar. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And she's just like pointing out her recycling tub and she's like, "Uh, my mom's staying with me for a while. So that's her stuff in the guest room. Like (laughs) it's like my bedroom. She has two, you know, she has a three bedroom big apartment, but like, it's not crazy. Uh, It was so funny. And I think about that. Like when we talk again, like when you're, when your sense of like safety and that you're going to be okay and that like you're going to have your needs met, like it really vastly alters all the things that you desire as well. Like, you know, you, um, I, I don't know, like part of me just can't help but draw the line here between the right wing's insistence on jamming people in a small box that can humanly mm-hmm. fit them in. And then the sort of consolation prize to that being like, but you can participate really hard in American consumerism. And although we will not let you have the gender that you want to be, you can have a boat. And how yeah. fun is a boat? <laughs> yeah. To try to, yeah. To try to soothe, to try to like deal with the ache in your yeah. heart, have this work, boat. Work hard so you can get a boat to, to cover, to, to feed into the vast sucking void where your identity should be, you know? It, and like, this is one of the reasons why over time I've gotten, I, I tried to take my political interlocutors' arguments seriously. Mm. And I don't, I can't anymore mm. because the arguments they're making for this sort of thing are just patently absurd. That yeah. there are, everybody knows the huge needs that America's children have. Everyone knows, it's, it's very obvious. Anyone yeah. who's worked in the system knows. Uh, in the educational system, in the housing system, everybody knows. And this addresses zero. This is yeah. a f- this is a hateful bill being passed to solve a fake problem. That's correct. 
Yeah, that's correct. Once again, we're, we're, we're back up to Republicans solving things, trying to address problems they made up in their minds, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, Sweden, incidentally, for those of you who don't know, Sweden is not the sort of like uh, socialist dystopia that Republicans try to make it out to be. <laughs> Sweden has the highest, I believe, one of the highest, if not the highest rates of entrepreneurship in the world. That's right. Um, it has a, it has an incredibly cutthroat free market system. Yes. It's just paired with an extremely strong social safety net. And the reason this may, creates a dynamic, happier society is because you can go out and try to live your dream like you are right now being a small business owner, you know, doing your thing, but without the terrifying fear that if it doesn't go right, you will wind up homeless without health insurance and like homeless and alone in a, in a ditch. Like, yes. But imagine how many people would take risks if they didn't have to work, have existential fear. I am saying, bro, bro, you have just spoken to the heart of what I've always felt about, uh, the social safety net, which is like, if you motherfuckers want to jerk off all day about the marketplace of ideas and disruption and blah, 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 fine. But like, let's let then let's put in place a really strong social safety net. So people are free to use their whole brains to you to like innovate rather than survive. Like, you know what I mean? Like we know what happens. Um, I love horse TikTok because there's always non-horse people on horse TikTok who are like, are horses just large dogs? And it's like, yes, when they feel safe, like a horse yeah. is a flight animal. So like the chances are they won't fight unless it's two stallions fighting each other over some bitches, which like <laughs> everybody yeah. knows. Um, but like a lot of animals, dogs, horses, domesticated animals, when they feel safe, they become playful. They become really smart. Like they, mm -hmm. they're really clever. Um, and it's like, man, we can come up with the idea that like a horse can figure out how to let itself out of its stall to get to the feed. Like it will learn to operate machinery with its two lips. Yeah. But like not all the way to maybe if people weren't worried about every single penny that yeah. goes to subsidize their survival, that like they could do better stuff with their ideas, too. And, and this also goes to things, uh, to problems of identity. I know that there's some people who are like, I'm okay with trans people. I just don't, you know, I just don't want to, why do Ugh. they have to talk about it all the time? I'm just like, if your existence is fraught and contingent and constantly demonized, then you have to fight publicly yes. for your right to exist. But I have to say with the trans people in my life, when they are loved and they feel safe, yeah. like, we're not talking about their transness. We're talking about all the other parts of their lives that aren't that because they don't have to justify their existence when they're around me or around my friends or, or, or you know, with their family, they there can just be. And yep. the reason why the trans people around you are constantly bringing it up and fighting is that you're constantly trying to, trying to destroy their lives. Yes. So like it is literally their fight for survival. Yeah. And if you, made it so they didn't have to fight to survive, then you wouldn't have to deal with all this shit. So just like calm the fuck down. Also like this is, this is a side element of this, but like it also ends up basing your access to like basic human rights on your passing as a trans mm -hmm. person. Right. Like it's so funny when you hear Republicans say like, they don't know any trans people. Almost certainly they do. <laughs> Oh, right? they like, do. 
Mm-hmm. Almost certainly they do, but it's somebody who has transitioned, you know, as a young person, they might be in their forties, you know, they've lived their whole, like the, the majority of their lives, um, as their correct gender. And now they pass perfectly. So like it never, like no one would even think twice about it. Right. Like, yeah. so what this is really, really actually punishing is people who are transgender and not yet passing whose lives are already fucking miserable. Right. Like just not passing is I, it's, uh, it's like, it's like the actual punishment is about the refusal to be a part of the binary more than anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And so this is, so I just want to say like, as a way of wrapping this up in a bow is that like, I know sometimes like it's sometimes it's, it's hard when people are having issues or these sort of bills come up and they seem niche. Right. Yeah. That like, I have definitely people who've come up to me and said like, why are we so focused on trans issues? You know, they make up a tiny uh, portion of the population. And my general feeling is, is that it's all part of a larger fight fight for liberation. That's correct. Um, That the tactics used against the trans community, if successfully deployed, will then be used against other communities because they worked once. Why not again? Yep. And I really do believe, and I think you agree with me, that like the goal, no matter who you are, if you believe in people being emancipated, people being able to flourish and live their best lives, that it's not just limited to the groups that you're adjacent to or part of or whatever it is. It's every group. And this is even for people who disagree with you, like uh, I mean, I put like as we as we always say, like yes, all these people who hate us, we want to give them free healthcare. Um, <laughs> like that's an important thing to keep in mind, right? Yeah. And I, I I think I see the the fight for trans rights as you know, I think this is something we talked about before. You know, we talk about you know needing a more positive version of masculinity. Yeah. Um, these are all part of the same battle. Uh, because the same people who are trying to, you know, like criminalize transness in public are also the same people who try to say like a real man doesn't have emotions. Right. That's right. And so like the patriarchy harms all of us and we need to work together. Yeah. In whatever role we can, because, you know, as you brought up before, like, you know, if you're, you know, we're talking about the example of a politician in Indianapolis, like, yeah, I can't run for that seat and win. Like this, this, this Asian dude, not winning that seat. (laughs) Right. So like, don't feel guilty about your privilege. Yeah. Like make use of your privilege, turn it into a weapon so that you can help fight for the people who don't have access to that same privilege. And as a side note, like if being in business as a woman for the last two and a half years has taught me anything, it's like, trust me, you're qualified. Like, I don't care what you're like. I don't even want to hear the reason that you don't think you're qualified. You're doing great. You're doing great. You can absolutely handle it. Once again, these people came to the house floor and said, but do we need a state sandwich? You're qualified. Please run. (laughs) That's great. And uh, speaking of your uh, your small business, uh, tell me, so what's been going on with Metal Honey? So much newness. First of all, can I shout out my digital assistant, Sammy Campbell, on this channel? Mm-hmm. Um, if you need to hire a digital assistant, she has changed my life. And you can <laughs> hire her at um, 
I think it's the magician's assistant, but it's Sammy Campbell, Sammy Dash Campbell, S-A-M-M-I Dash Campbell. You know how to spell that. Um, but uh, thanks to her, we have expanded to a bunch of um, new retailers. So we're up in Westfield at Rail, which is a cafe and a market. Um, we are on the menu now, the cocktail menu at Sundry and Vice. That Ooh, is nice. in the Bottleworks district. It's very a sexy little bar. Um, and you can find our two new sauces. That is So It Goes, um, which is a general so style sauce made with local honey. And then Scorpion, or I'm sorry, Satay Stinger. I got to stop making that mistake because it is my product <laughs> and I need to call it by its right name, which is a mild Thai-style peanut sauce. Those are both available online right now at MetalHoney.com. And they look amazing. And I, like like all the things you make, uh, always inspired. I've been thinking about the uses, especially for the Sate Stinger. I have, I have some good ideas. Yes. Uh, so yeah, go to MetalHoney, uh, MetalHoney.com, support Sarah. You can find um, the Perpetual Stew on Twitter at Perp Stew. Um, you can find us there. Ask us questions, some suggestions for topics. We'll do another AMA sometime soon. Uh, but that will do it for us this week. Uh, this has been the Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And until next time, stay curious. Bye.